0: It was September 16th of 1922, and brawls had broken out in multiple areas of New York City, resulting in a full-blown riot before it was over. Dozens were injured and required medical treatment. One man had been beaten so badly that he needed hospitalization. It started three days earlier, when thousands of teenaged boys stalked through the city, chasing citizens through the streets. Smaller gangs of boys would wait in doorways for unsuspecting victims. Police were dispatched, although they were greatly outnumbered. They would just manage to break up a gang in one district, only to discover another had formed somewhere else. And the cause of all of it? Straw hats. You see, in the early 20th century, men wore straw hats during warmer months, and then switched to felt hats when the weather turned chilly. After a time the unofficial date was settled on, September 15th, whereby all men, young and old alike, were expected to switch, or be ridiculed. It was a fashion rule sort of like not wearing white after Labor Day, only a lot less forgiving. The act of stomping on hats didn't start out as something violent, though. It actually stemmed from a tradition among stockbrokers, a way of having fun with their fellow co-workers. There were rules, though. Stealing and smashing the straw hat of a stranger was strictly forbidden. A straw hat was popular among New York stockbrokers during the summer to wear during social events, Soon, though, the hat became equally popular among other professions, and the tradition of hat-snatching and stomping spread with it. It became so common, in fact, that newspapers published a warning each year, alerting readers to the impending fashion faux pas deadline. But in 1922, youths in New York City decided to get a jump on the tradition, and one could argue that cool heads didn't prevail. It wasn't the first time straw hats had caused trouble, though. Back in September of 1910, Police in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, were called to safeguard pedestrians still sporting their summer headwear. The Pittsburgh press complained about the hat-smashing ritual, even predicting that the practice would eventually get out of hand. Which it did, in 1922. The trouble started when teens began stealing and smashing straw hats from factory workers in Manhattan. Sometimes they'd simply knock the hats off men's head. Other teens carried sticks with hooks to better grab the hats. After that, the overly confident teenagers marched to the docks and tried stealing and stomping the hats off the heads of dock workers there. But those men retaliated, and an all-out brawl ensued, bad enough to block traffic on the Manhattan Bridge. The police were forced to pull brawlers apart and make arrests, all except for boys under the age of 15, that is. Their punishment was left to their parents, many of whom chose a public spanking at the police station on East 104th Street. If any good came from the straw hat riot, it was that local stores stayed open way past closing hours to accommodate customers looking to buy the more seasonal and safer felt hats. Thankfully, no one died that year. But in 1924, one man was murdered for wearing a straw hat past September 15th. Which is probably why, in 1925, President Calvin Coolidge blatantly ignored tradition and wore a straw hat well past the acceptable date. The New York Times ran a front-page headline the following day, featuring a picture of the president doing so. Hat-stomping died down after that. During the Great Depression, the hat that had once been popular with stockbrokers became a symbol of the irresponsible 20s and quickly fell out of style. But that's to be expected. After all, fashion has always been very good at changing. At the drop of a hat. to start living yours let's get into it the newspaper advertisement read absolutely free on april 16th of 1968 all anyone wanting a personalized horoscope had to do was send in a submission with their name and address their place and date of birth and the answers to a few personal questions And the ad was so successful that over 500 requests flooded in. After receiving their horoscopes, over 150 participants were so amazed at the results that they felt compelled to write in and say so. In fact, nearly everyone said their horoscope had been uncanny in how it described them, to the tune of 95% accuracy. What the participants didn't know is that they'd been tricked. No, not by taking their money or by stealing their identity. The advertisement hadn't been placed with nefarious intent. Instead, the whole thing was part of an experiment. Dr. Michel Gouclin, a psychologist and statistician, was researching astrology, mostly a study where he set out to prove that stars in the vast universe had little to do with someone's fate or personality characteristics. But even though he set out to discredit horoscopes, he hired a professional astrologer to assist him with it. Goklien's test was based on an American experiment from 20 years earlier, in 1948. That experiment discovered what's become known as subjective validation. Essentially, it's the idea that people form a cognitive bias when presented with information that's close to their own values and beliefs. The theory had first been tested on students. They'd each been given the exact same personality test, but instead of giving them results based on their answers, he ignored it and supplied the students with identical data. In this case, a recent newspaper horoscope. Each student then graded the results on a scale of 1 to 5 for how close they seemed to match them personally. 1 being totally wrong and 5 being 100% right. And the results? The collective average came in at 4.2. The experiment has been repeated hundreds of times since, and the average results are almost always the same. Psychologists and researchers believe that people are likely to accept broad descriptions or statements when it comes to their own personalities, even though the same description or statement is probably true of almost anyone. So, why does this work? Well, human nature. We all want to feel that we belong. Our species is hardwired for it, after all. We want to fit in, and we have a pretty good idea that certain traits and personalities fit in better with our peers than others'. So, when we read that we tend to seek approval from those we admire, or that we seek comfort and safety, or have unused potential, or that we are our own worst critic, well, the statements almost always sound spot on for most of us. And because the generalizations are more or less positive, we're more apt to believe them. On the flip side, we also tend to rate any negative assessments as less accurate, no matter how common the traits are among others. According to psychologists, people sometimes feel so strongly about the results that they tend to alter their behavior to appear consistent with these generalizations, in hopes that others will then back them up. Which leads us back to the findings on that 1968 horoscope experiment. While the astrologer created a generalized horoscope for the 1968 experiment, it wasn't random. He'd been hired to specifically create an astronomical reading of a real, actual person. And what exactly did that personalized reading say? That the individual was intelligent, warm, ingenious, and had good judgment. It also stated that they had complete dedication to others. In this case, the real-life person was a doctor who had served during World War I, so that makes sense. Here's the thing, though. This doctor wasn't even alive at the time the horoscope was written, having been dead since 1946. And his cause of death? Execution after being convicted of killing 23 victims. And while his name was technically Marcel Petiot, most today simply refer to him as Dr. Satan. So the next time you read a horoscope and feel as if it was written specifically for you, take it with a grain of salt. After all, you might just be in bad company. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities.